Welcome back to the Lost Generation. Paul continues to dig into the past and finds that it's even stranger than he could ever have imagined. I can't tell if this journal is an attempt from my grandfather to create some kind of story. Everything I've ever learned in school was that during 2020, there was a pandemic, and most people took shelter in their houses. That part of my grandpa's story makes sense, and even the riots were common knowledge. But the idea of cops doing drive-bys and bodies just sitting out in front of busy streets sounds insane. Maybe he got so bored while in quarantine that he wrote this story. I'll just keep reading and see where the story goes. September 20th, 2020. This is the first time in four days that I've had a chance to sit down and write. I figured maybe emergency services had just been overrun because of all the bodies building up in the hospitals, but I couldn't have been more wrong. On September 17th, the entire world flipped on its head. All the people that had been killed by the virus started getting up, and when they woke up, they were not the same people anymore. They were soulless monsters looking for their next bite to eat, and unfortunately for us, we were on the menu. By the 18th, the sound of shooting had become the most common sound at that point. I wasn't sure if it was humans fighting humans, or humans fighting... well, down. But all I know is that we needed to get out of the city. We don't live in a big town, but we live right off one of the main streets of the town. We know for sure of at least three houses near us that have been overrun by them. Rachel and I sat down and came up with a plan to get out of the city and meet up with her parents. Her father was an avid hunter, and he lived in a small town about 15 minutes from here. On the 19th, we prepped everything we would need for the trip. I made a few trips out of the car to avoid having to make multiple trips with the kids. I know this was probably a dumb idea because of risk detection, but I didn't want to risk my family getting hurt. By the 20th, we were ready to go. We got in the van and got to see firsthand the destruction that had happened in only a few days. The fire department next to our house was on fire. Luckily, it was easy to tell which ones were them and which ones were human. They would just be shambling around mindlessly while the people that were still alive were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. My kid said, Daddy, why don't you stop and help that man? I had to tell them that they were sick and that we needed to stay away from them. My youngest was screaming at this point. You could tell that Rachel and I were on edge and it was freaking him out. Never mind the carnage that was happening right outside the window. Rachel put a movie on for the kids in the van to try and calm them down. We avoided the center of town because I figured that's where the majority of the destruction would be. There were so many fires and all you could hear was screaming and gunfire. This truly felt like the end of the world. Even my time while I was deployed in Afghanistan couldn't compare to this. We were extremely lucky and managed to get to the outskirts of town without much hassle. Rachel had a handgun in the passenger seat just in case one of them tried to jump on the vehicle or get in, and also for any survivors that might see us as a soft target. One of them shambled out from behind a bush, and the guy that was driving directly in front of us drilled him. He swerved off the road and crashed, and before we knew it, he was completely surrounded by them. We had no time to help this man at all. I have no clue why I can't bring myself to call them zombies. I had spent so many years thinking this would be cool, but now it's actually happening, and I can't believe it. Maybe I'm just in shock, and I'll be able to process this better in time. That's if I get enough time to process it. That was the last time we saw any of them as we headed to the small waterside town of Dexter. The crazy part was that just 15 minutes made a huge difference. There was pretty much no sign of anything here, and Rachel's parents were completely safe. Her brother had also managed to make it out of the city as well, and had the same idea as us. I'm writing this after we had tried to assemble a barricade to block some of the roads coming in from the city. I've tried to reach out to my buddy Andrew, who lives out near Syracuse, but I haven't had any luck yet. I'm going to keep trying to get a hold of him, and hopefully I can get him to head this way. I'm sure he's in even worse trouble than we are in this small city. That's going to do it for me tonight, though. It's time for me to get some sleep and get ready for tomorrow. 
I can't be more grateful than I am right now that my family is safe for now. I wanted to keep reading, but after that long drive, I could barely keep my eyes open. I put the book back where I found it and tried to head back to my bedroom as quietly as possible. As I was heading back to my room, though, I could hear my mom and dad talking in the room where they were staying in. My dad was talking about how I asked him about 2020 earlier, and he sounded really pissed that I even brought it up. I don't know why these seem to be so much secrecy around this time frame, but I'm starting to wonder whether it is more reality to the stories I'm reading in my grandpa's journal. But I can't imagine that an entire decade was just completely lost to history and some crazy zombie apocalypse happened without anyone of my generation knowing anything about it. I'm going to try and probe my mom for more information on tomorrow. Maybe she'll have some more information I can actually use. Until then, I'll do the same thing my grandfather did 30 years ago and head to bed. Thank you for listening to The Lost Generation. Come back next week to see if Paul is able to find answers from his mother or if he gets the same treatment he gets from his dad. Tune in next week to find out.